Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel, broadcasting remotely. When was the last time you saw a theater performance in person? For me, it was in March when I saw Jane Eyre with my friend at Hartford Stage. I remember the superb actors, the set, the costumes, and looking back now, all of the people around me, all of us sitting close together, enjoying a well-done stage adaptation of a classic novel. Little did we know the state would shut down a week later. Theater is more than entertainment. It connects us with one another. It provides a living for many, but it's more than just a job for them. And theater is part of an important economic engine for our state. So how has local theater adapted and changed these last several months? Today, where we live, we talk about it. And we want to hear from you, too. What do you miss about theater here in Connecticut? You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I want to welcome a great panel to today's show on Zoom today. Melia Bensusen, Artistic Director at Hartford Stage. Melia, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Lucy. What a treat. I'm a big fan and glad to be here. Tanisha Dugan is also with us, producing Associate of Theatre Works in Hartford. Tanisha, welcome to the show. Good morning. It's so nice to be on with you and these wonderful women this morning. And Jackie Hubbard is here, Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse. Uh, Jackie, welcome to where we live. Thank you so much, Lucy. I'm very grateful for this uh, Come to be part of this conversation, even though it's so early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thank you all for waking up early uh, to be on uh, this show and talk about something that matters to so many of us. Uh, before we talk about how you've adapted and what the future looks like, uh, your optimism uh, for uh, the next year or two, I wanted to ask you what the last few months have been like. And so, Amelia, I'll start with you. I understand you were the first woman to run Hartford Stage and... You know, tell me about your connection to this place and the people at Hartford Stage, as well as your patrons. Well, thank you, Lucy. And yeah, I mean, I loved you. I loved how you started the show. For me, theater has always been this place where we breathe together. And the irony that we're in this moment, we're breathing due to both our our public health pandemics, right? Mm -hmm. Our sort of... Um, opening up of the amount of racism in the country and the the sense of I can't breathe for some of for so much of our population as well as the fact that we can't sit in an enclosed space and breathe the air together. Mm. I took over Hartford stage a little over a year ago, I guess almost a year and a half, and was so excited about all our civic uh, initiatives, our opening of the theater to more folks to come in, to enjoy our lobby, to enjoy our productions, to begin more bilingual programming. I'm originally from Mexico City. So there was so much excitement. Um, my partner, uh, a new managing director, where the first, it's the first time Hartford Stage has been run by two women. Mm. But 
you know what, we're going to get through this. These last few months have been very painful. I'm not going to lie. The most challenging thing I think for us has been missing our patrons and then um, having to let go of so much of our staff, right? Um, Hartford Stage has had an extraordinarily committed staff for, you know, all of whom uh, preceded me working at that institution. So when you talk about the wonderful costumes and the set, the, the experience of being in that beautiful thrust theater surrounded by, you know, excellent artisans and craft, we had to let a lot of those folks go. So for to take over an institution and then have to lay off and furlough people, that, that was really hard. I'll, I'll say that. I, I miss our staff. I miss our audiences. I miss our building. Hmm. I understand you once had a staff of more than 90 people. How many people are still with you, Amelia? We're down now to 15 full-time folks. So, Mm -hmm. because if you think about it, you know, we had a full scene shop. We had a full costume shop. We had a a brilliant front of house staff. These are all folks where, I mean, there's literally no work for them to do institutionally right now. Um, We're in touch with as many of them as we can be or who want to be in touch with us. And we're continuing, you know, well, we can talk more about the virtual programming mm-hmm. and the education programming we're doing. We're continuing to be active in our community, but but I miss those wonderful folks who um, I know are struggling as so much of our industry is. Mm-hmm. Tanisha Dugan, how about theater works? I was looking uh, at your social media and the way you describe uh, this regional theater, a safe space to laugh, cry, and question why. And that's exactly what theater is, right? This this place where we can gather and some of our thinking and perspectives are challenged and we're drawn into stories. We see similarities sometimes in our lives. And to not have that, it, it, it really is heartbreaking. It It is. Um, and then I think, you know, for us, it's also about sort of stepping into the moment, right? And recognizing that this is a moment about uh, adaptability and resilience and transformation. And, you know, we've been doing, my six-year-old and I've been doing some studying on butterflies and I've come to learn that that uh, moment between chrysalis and butterfly is very painful. And I think uh, we're very much in that, mo- in that very painful moment of transformation in the same way that like that moment right before that baby comes is <laughs> quite, quite painful, right? But on the other side is beautiful life. And so, you know, for us, it's been about um, embracing that reality, right? That life is uh, multifaceted and the great existential crisis of life is that you actually don't know what tomorrow will bring or what the mm-hmm. next moment will be. Um, and that we all craft our careers, our personal lives to sort of combat that reality, to sort of not look and sit and be in that reality. And I think the pandemic has kind of forced all of us um, to reckon with that existential truth. Um, and I hope through this year and the coming years, because it's going to be a long haul before we're back the way we, we oh, I can't even say used to be because I don't think that's ever going to happen, mm-hmm. but back together in space telling stories. Um, I hope that in this time um, we can be models 
because I think that's what theater does, right? You know, it's all the things you just said, Lucy, right? We we offer you opportunities to empathize, to understand, to look at yourself. But I think we've been mirrors for maybe too long mm -hmm. and that it's time to not only be a mirror, but sort of offer um, a glimpse at a promise of liberation of a tomorrow that we're all included in. Um, but that requires us to sort of rethink the way in which we've done things and be that model. And that's, um, you know, it's tough, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but I think we're I ready. Yeah, I understand can I, that. Can I just throw in, oh, so, so I sure, just love sure, what Amelia. Denisha said, and it just reminded me of an Emma Goldman quote, you know, a great revolutionary from another century. And she said, the means used to prepare the future become its cornerstone. Mm -hmm. um, so just to, just to mm -hmm. amplify Tanisha's mm -hmm. wonderful work. Tanisha, TheaterWorks is, is a small company. I believe your staff's 18 to 20 people. So when you talk about resiliency, it looks like you've got a quite a, a fun crew that you're with uh, each and every day, at least before the pandemic. How are you supporting each other? And when we think about, uh, we don't know when this will end in terms of people have uh, bills to pay and families to support. And I wanted you to talk a little bit more about that. You know, our size, I think, has been one of our great strengths. Um, you know, we did um, shrink a bit at the beginning when we were just trying to figure out what uh, we were going to do and how we were going to move forward. But um, we do have a deep ethos of caring for each other. And that means the 21, I think, people we, we have on staff, um, as well as our industry, right? So the choice to come forward with the virtual programming was about, as much about how can we create space so our craftspeople can still do something like what they always did, <laughs> right? Um, no, it's not, um, it's not live theater. And there's a lot of learning and um, recalibrating and rejizzing for the platform. Um, but that was really important to us to care for each other, to, to sort of understand that like what you do for a living is so deeply yoked to who you are. And so mm -hmm. how can we um, maintain that um, in some way? Uh, and we we are grateful and, and fortunate to be able to. And so we are back at full staffing at this point, um, cranking out um, really innovative um, online um, streaming theater, um, but it's also about the ecosystem of theater, right? Like mm -hmm. if we all hibernate and for some of us, there's no other choice, right? We got to pull the nuts together. We got to get strong, take some sleep, really think about what the, what the spring will be like um, in the life cycle. Um, but if there is not um, some continued work and effort towards maintaining audience, sustaining audience, maintaining work, sustaining work, um, it's, it will be hard for all of us. And so mm -hmm. the support is absolutely personal and internal and, and aimed at mm -hmm. our staff and our audience, but it is also aiming a little bit broader. It's aiming for the fullness of our, of our industry. And I think we also, we read that article from The Guardian where uh, they were questioning where American innovation and ingenuity was in the theater and how, you know, England and, and London were really sort of taking strides in this new space. And I think we're a company that loves a challenge too. So we were like, how dare they? <laughs> we <laughs> well, we'll are American ingenuity. Uh, 
And Tanisha, we'll be talking more about the innovations that each of you are trying and doing uh, as we wait for all of this uh, to be behind us. But I wanted to hear from uh, Jackie Hubbard at Iverton Playhouse uh, about your connection to your community and what it has meant to have your doors closed, Jackie. Yeah, well, we are, I mean, we have a, a very old theater in Iverton. You know, it's been around for over 100 years and we have, we're an equity theater, but we're really deeply rooted in our community. So this was a, a real body blow. We, our audience tends to skew older. So the, the thought of going online at first was um, horrific to me. And I have to say, we're kind of crawling out of the abyss right now. I think it sent us to a dark place where we all went into our own homes. Uh, we were all laid off. We have a small uh, staff, same as Tanisha, it's under 20, because most of our cast, uh, artistic staff, uh, production staff, come through the year as um, with each show. So we have probably 100, 120 over the course of a year, but there's only 15 to 20 of us that are there all the time. So we just shut down completely at first. We have um, a couple of people back who are uh, embarking on a little fundraising campaign for us. But what I have tried to do is a very personal connection with our audience and with our staff so that I think being small, we have an advantage that I can be in contact with most of the staff. Uh, for example, for Halloween next week, we're just all getting together. We're carving pumpkins. We're taking all the concession candy that has sat there for a year, bagging it up and dressing as witches and handing it out to local <laughs> kids because we have to do something. Um, and, uh, but one of the big problems, uh, for me coming out of this is the, the playhouse is the sort of cornerstone of the village of Ivoryton. Mm -hmm. When we really started to grow, we had restaurants spring up, a little art gallery, a pub, a pizza place. They all depend on the playhouse being the economic driver for the community. And it's been just we're just reeling from this that how do we keep not just the playhouse going but all the but the life of the whole village so um uh, fortunately also we have a great community so we have managed to keep communications open we have plans for uh, holiday events um as with all theaters of course we have plan a plan b plan c for next year <laughs> because nobody knows what um, what the future in this horrible, horrible time will be. But, uh, but we're, we're feeling much more prepared for it. As I say, I liked, uh, Tanisha, when you said that transformation is painful, because I would say this summer has been probably one of the most painful that in all of my years in Ivoryton I can ever remember, because the darkness just did not seem to be shifting. And um, I realized that we are constantly creating in theater, even if we're doing a play that, you know, has been done a hundred times, there's a creative spark in there. And you think of new things and new ways and new interpretations. And that creative spark was, was done, not just for me, but for the musicians, the designers. And um, I read a, an article in Time Magazine two weeks ago, an interview with David Byrne, 
And the interviewer said, you know, what have you been writing? Have you been writing songs? And he said, I can't write. There is no way to write right now because mm -hmm. we are so um, suffocated by what is going on in the world. That is all we'd be able to bring out. So it made me feel that I had an understanding of what was going on. And I think that with most of us, there's a tiny glimmer of light. I don't know where it's coming from. Maybe getting this election over will help us all tremendously. <laughs> but there's a tiny glimmer of light there. And, and I think like little moths, we're, we're heading towards it on our own path, thinking we can do this, we can come back, and we will find ways. Amelia, mm. I wanted to get uh, your perspective on uh, what Jackie just brought up, this creative spark, uh, the fact that Hartford Stage is among other theaters where you are building productions from the ground up, and that is right. also halted. Um, I love what, what my two colleagues are saying, and I'm, I'm sitting here nodding. Um, I, I think in, in, in some similar ways, you know, we have, we're in the midst of figuring out how to reinvent. And it will never, but it will never replace live theater. You know, we have a couple of great projects that we're working on, including um, Radio Place for Families and we're building um, what we're terming a community carol, which is a replacement for our annual Christmas carol, which has been so important to Hartford's families and our neighbors, our community at large. So we're terming it a community carol. It's gonna be a virtual event, um, but with live elements and recorded elements, and it'll include our partners because we really feel that what this moment has given us, since we can't build plays in our shops and sit in previews together and change our plays based on what you, the audiences are doing, right? I mean, that's the, this is a tangent, but the thing that makes me crazy about Zoom theater, even when it's live Zoom theater, is that the actors don't have that immediate response. The director doesn't have that immediate response of hearing an audience breathe. There I go again. Mm -hmm. But we're looking at ways, since we don't have that, to strengthen our community partnerships with Christchurch Cathedral, with Capital Community College, with University of Hartford, um, and including all those folks in the building of our community carol, which will be a multicultural celebration of all the things we do in December, the darkest days of the year to bring light into our homes, with, of course, the framework of Dickens' wonderful story. And we'll have a lot of bilingual elements to that as well. Para todos nuestros vecinos, we invite, you know, everyone um, to join us on that. It will be a free offering. And that has given us a real shot in the arm um, as a staff. And our education programs have really lifted us. You know, during our best days, we serve like 20,000 students in Connecticut. I mean, isn't that an amazing number? Uh, when I started... I thought this was an exaggeration, <laughs> you know, and I kept checking the number, like, was I misplacing a zero? Um, and we are finding that our online education programs are in some ways, you know, more needed than ever. Mm. Both parents need something for their kids and schools need extra programming. So I guess I'm turning this a little bit and thinking um, of what both um, Jackie and Tanisha are saying. And wanting to stress how theaters, to go back to your opening statement, Lucy, are, are, are civic institutions. We are a core part 
of what makes a, a city a good place to live, where core part of what helps human beings become more human, more menschlich, if you'll forgive my uh, uh, Yiddishism there, but <laughs> that there's a, um, and mensch literally means to become a human being. There's a sense of how theater is the muscle, is the, is the gym for the muscle of empathy, that without our programming in education and conversation, without our storytelling, um, we're impoverished. Our schools are impoverished. Our communities impoverished. Um, you know, so so I feel like that's ener- that has really uh, galvanized us as a core team, and to be able to turn. Um, you know, we're not in as we're not able to hire everyone back given the scale of our operation, but we've been able to hire a few folks back for uh, you know to help us with some of our online stuff. And what I have personally really enjoyed are what we call our seen and heard live. And these were weekly broadcasts when the pandemic started and now they're monthly. And they're just conversations with our audiences, with our subscribers, with guests from around the country and from our Hartford community, Mm -hmm. discussing how this pandemic is affecting us, discussing how theater works, Mm -hmm. discussing both you know, recently we uh, did a program on American Dreams, which I'd love to talk a little bit about and what political theater is. Mm. Um, well, Amelia, let's uh, let's take a yeah. quick break before we, we continue our conversation. Amelia Ben-Susan, Artistic Director at Hartford Stage here on Where We Live. Tanisha Dugan also with us, Producing Associate at TheaterWorks in Hartford, and Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse. As we talk about local theater, how theaters are adjusting, and we want to hear from you. How are you helping uh, these institutions uh, keep going uh, through this pandemic? I want to hear um, from our guests about how the community has responded uh, to help uh, keep them going. And you can join us 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel, broadcasting remotely. We're talking about theater today after many local theaters have closed and have had to adjust their seasons in response to the pandemic. Uh, Jackie Hubbard is with us, Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse. So tell me how your subscriber subscribers have stepped up uh, to help you uh, with uh you know, the fact that ticket revenue is not possible now. And, and I'm just wondering uh, what you've been hearing from the community about how they can help you. Yeah, we have, as I say, we just started a, a fundraising campaign. We were very slow, I think because we are so small. And um, when we shut down at the beginning, the same as everybody else, we thought, oh, this was a couple of weeks and, you know, we'll be back and a couple more weeks and then we'll be back. But of course, it just lingered. So we it took us a while. Uh, we first started just calling all of the subscribers individually and speaking. There was about three of us in the office. We just took turns. We had 2,000 subscribers. And um, we got through them all. We had, I would say, almost 80% of them stuck with us. Uh, some of them donated their subscriptions. Some of them rolled it over so optimistically 
into next year, into the hope of a season in 2021. And uh, right now we have started a Keep the Ivyton Playhouse afloat. Our logo is an elephant. So you have a little elephant on a boat and people have um, been supporting that campaign. Um, they're all small things that we're doing, but we're a small theater. And in some ways that may be a little easier than with a large theater, you know, with a large budget, Amelia, uh, because we are able to actually yeah. reach out individually to people. Yeah. It, um, it's still a lot of work. It's a lot of work for, um, you know, a couple of us who are hanging in there. But uh, we've had such a great response because, look, subscribers know, too, they're living through it, too. They're hurting, but they know that we are hurting and they know how important the arts are because they're feeling it right now. I get so many wonderful emails from people who say, we, we, are, we, we are lost without it. When, when are you doing something, anything? You know, uh, because they don't understand the nature of theater and production rights and can't right. you do something outside on the Atio and mm -hmm. can't you just have somebody come in the park and, you know as though I keep a, um, a whole army of actors tucked away under the stage <laughs> just pull them out for events <laughs> I love but that <laughs> well uh, Jackie Jackie yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Jackie I'm, br I'm glad you brought up the actors because I'm thinking about all of those actors out there that you know, are without work and the light, what is the lifeline for them? I know in Connecticut, there's a state grant program just unveiled to help theaters with uh, some costs. Uh, I understand the federal uh, Save Our Stages Act is stalled and that could be yes. something that yes, could help. Right. And so, uh, Tanisha, I wanted to get you back into the conversation again, uh, producing Associate at Theater Works in Hartford, Tanisha Dugan. I believe you said that you're back at full staff. And so I'm just wondering if you can talk more about about um, how the community can further support and what needs to happen from our from our lawmakers uh, to keep it going. I, well, I wish we were as fast as uh, Britain and we could get uh, a sort of blanket um, relief uh, and aid uh, to support the entire industry as we're kind of coming through all of this. Um, you know, we jumped into the twelve. You know, we're doing twelve projects this this year. Um, we are employing, this is sort of to my earlier point that like maintaining the ecosystem in some way was really important to our core value. Um, so we are employing actors. Um, that has been its own uh, journey <laughs> because um, one of the things that happens in these times is everyone sort of circles the wagons around what they do and who they were. Um, and so, you know, we had to... Uh, engage in a lot of conversations with a lot of uh, unions, uh, one in particular, uh, to be able to make this all work. But it's, it's you know, I, for me, and I love what Amelia said about, you know, we are a civic body that is our, our, our guiding principle. And so the example of, of doing, <laughs> the example of being, the example of, of sort of moving through, um, we are, I, th I think, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say this because I think this is one of the terms that um, a portion of our, uh, our society rolls their eyes at. Um, but we're, you know, we are sort of beginning to walk into what anti-racism looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and when you embrace that as a way of moving and you recognize that if you move as the least of us do, 
um, who don't have the opportunity to say, well, dang it, I, I, I can't, um, this system isn't built for me, so I'm just going to sit it out, right? That's not an option. Um, you begin to do different things, right? And I think it would be lovely for our federal government to step in and support um, us. And, and if things work out a certain way in the election, uh, that may be more possible. Um, but I think we also have to be pragmatists and realists that it, it may not work out the way that the majority of the theater industry would like it to uh, work out. And so we have to sort of consider how we are going to um, survive if we don't, uh, if we're not able to sway um, the vote in the government in that way. And so we rely on our on our audiences. I mean, just like Jackie said, that kind that ability to call. Um, folks and say, hey, we need you just like you need us. Uh, can you give? Because being in a community is actually being um, supporting each other together. Um, asking, uh, you know, the economic development piece is so real. Um, so how can we support our restaurant partners? Is it doing things like our friends at the Bushnell Park are doing, right? Of finding ways of coordinating these boxes with restaurant partners and creating these socially distant affairs so that we can talk about what we do and support our restaurant partners. It's, it, is, it is deeply embedded in a, a kind of innovation, which I know you wanted to speak about later, that is not technologically uh, based. It's about mm -hmm. innovating the way in which uh, we connect with each other. And I think the real come to Jesus for our industry is recognizing that we have to find the answer of financial support together as a community of theater makers mm -hmm. and individually as our institutions. You know, um, the streaming model for us is something that's supremely scalable, not because we anticipate it will replace when we can come back together and breathe together and our heartbeats can sink again in pursuit of uh, empathetic storytelling, but because a scalable financial model is the key to us being able to liberate ourselves from a system that is um, hierarchical and ultimately puts us in a slave master position for better or for worse please someone above me bestow upon us what we need to keep moving forward um but those are tough conversations and have very little to do with um the making of the art but how we um move mm -hmm. when we are in the midst of trauma or struggle Amelia, pick up on uh, what tanisha was sharing Oh, I love what Tanisha is saying. Um, this this notion of uniting. I mean, I think, um, and that our communities need to join with us, and we need to make clear to our communities um, and to each other how vital we are to each other's existence. Right? I mean, I feel like the arts organizations in Connecticut through this pandemic have really joined forces. Um, I, Theater Works and Bushnell and Hartford Stage um, and University of Connecticut and um, Charter Oak. Uh, who am I forgetting, Tanisha? We're all joining together. And Jackie, next time we'll 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 drag you into this. <laughs> but we're all presenting um, a virtual production called American Dreams, which is the leadership of Heartbeat Ensemble. I think that's important. This very oh, I'm so sorry. Social Thank justice you. theater. It's right? actually Godfrey's idea. If, uh, to, so a full shout out to Godfrey Simmons and the extraordinary work he's already done at Heartbeat Ensemble. 
Thank you so much. Yes, awful. Um, uh, <laughs> because we're so grateful for his presence in the community and how much he's also transformed his theater um, to be more virtual. But if you look at something like American Dreams and you can read about it on any of our web pages, um, and we encourage all of you to come join us for a performance. It's a, it's a game show um, about getting your citizenship in this country. So it's really perfectly timed and it'll be broadcast next week. But um, it's unprecedented for all of us to work together to present something, Lucy. So that's where I'm, mm -hmm. where I hear Tanisha and with our working together towards anti-racist practices and transforming our institutions to be more welcoming to all folks in our communities and to also not feel like, oh, if you're a subscriber to the Bushnell, you can't go to Hartford stage. And if you're a fan of theater works, well, that's your one subscription. Um, how do we get folks to see that heartbeat, that theater works, that um, the Playhouse on the Park, Jackie, your theater, that we're all in together. And that if one theater goes down, we're all in danger. So, and just to also echo what Jackie and Tanisha have said about audiences, we've had great response from uh, Hartford State subscribers. So a, a huge thank you to them. They've donated their tickets. They have re-upped their subscriptions for next season. And as Jackie said, what is it? What a leap of faith that is, right? And we will be good for it. But we are these communities theaters. Um, all of us here on the show and those who aren't, who we, who we love and respect in our community. And we're needed in this state. Um, mm. I know that when I moved to Hartford, I, the thing that appealed to me about taking the Hartford stage job and and uh, and then I'll hand it off. But was just how much Hartford needs Hartford Stage, and how vital Hartford Stage is to the community. That's what excited me about the leadership of this theater mm -hmm. is to really amplify that. I just want to like hop in real quick, Lucy. You know, sure, and, and amplify what a community of art lovers uh, and culture consumers do we have in, in Connecticut? Because I'm sure it's true for you too, Jackie. Our, our audience did the exact same thing, right? They overwhelmingly, you know, donated back their tickets for the season that was and the season that cannot be. Um, they jumped in quite vigorously into the streaming model. You know, like it, it's, it is truly remarkable, the human beings that make up the state of Connecticut and their love for what we all do. Yes, yes. And their generosity in a time when everyone <laughs> is, is concerned about what their bottom line will look like. So that has been just incredible to be in, in Sapatico with. And then I just want to real quick um, hop on something that Neelia said about, you know, us working together in a, in a much more cohesive way. And I think, some of, you know, American Dreams is a perfect example of that. And also, you know, we're in the midst of doing Russian troll farms. So this idea that we are sort of um, in cahoots and conspiring together around <laughs> a conversation, right. right, is something that is really exciting to me and I hope is something that carries through. How 
transformative for our body politic if all of our Connecticut theaters sort of coalesced around a conversation we thought was important for our body, our society to have, and for each of our own personalities, institutional personalities, to right. bring a story to the table that uh, engaged us in that dialogue in some way. Mm -hmm. How incredible for just one show, maybe one season, to really embrace the power of what we do to shift a society's uh, way of thinking, mm -hmm. acting, doing. Um, oh, and let's, I, I want to shout out the Free Center, who is also a primary partner. Yes, in American yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, Thank you, Tanisha. <laughs> but, but I want to say that because, you know, just like, you know, we're surprised at how people have behaved post uh, the pandemic. I hope uh, we continue to surprise ourselves with the way in which we work together. And I hope it continues. I hope we, mm -hmm. um, uh, we don't walk away from the moment when things ease up, but we dig ourselves in a little deeper and recognize, just as you said, Melia, that we need each other. Mm -hmm. And that that's, that's true for the theater, but it's a metaphor for all of us. We need each other. Our ecosystems are, 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 are knitted together. So um, how, do we, how, do we, how do we model mm -hmm. that? Tanisha Dugan, again, is producing Associate of Theater Works in Hartford. Jackie Hubbard is here, Executive Artistic Director at Iverton Playhouse, and Melia Ben-Susan, Artistic Director at Hartford Stage. Now, are there innovations in the way theaters have adapted that will stick around long after the pandemic is over? We're going to talk about that after the break. You can join us, too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Uh, we're talking with the women in theater here in our state, Melia Ben-Susan, Artistic Director at Hartford Stage, Tanisha Dugan, Producing Associate at Theater Works in Hartford, and Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse. Uh, Jackie, we've, we've talked a little bit about uh, Zoom performances, this idea of, of live streaming. We've heard about interesting collaborations among uh, theaters in our state. I wanted to get your take on, you know, after this is all over, some of the adaptations that may stick around. What are your thoughts? So um, it has been interesting in that, you know, most of us come from a background in theater where we did, you know, young and passionate and worked on new works and small groups and get into the actual business of theater. And over the past 30 years from my passion when I started, which was doing some cutting edge new stuff, it evolved because of where I found myself. So the theater started producing more big shows, more musicals, more comedies, less dramas, less uh, cutting edge. Um, and, and over the past couple of years, we started this Women Playwrights Festival. We started to add in some uh, more relevant pieces and found out we could do them, that the audience did have an interest, not a huge audience, but they were there for us when we presented the uh, show about the women of the Ku Klux Klan. And uh, anyway, so what this pandemic has done for us is to think radically about what we can do going forward. And obviously large musicals are out the window for the next few years. And so we have to cut back and we have to think what is important right now what Tanisha said about coming together over important topics, over things that unite us as a community is what we've been talking about a lot. 
What can we do, strip down that people will still want to see that doesn't decimate them the way the pandemic has, but gives them redemption, gives them hope and makes them uh, mm. see what unites us and uh, not what separates them. So we're looking at smaller pieces that will, um, you know, that will move our audience and give us the creativity and the um, the passion, bring back the passion that we have. Mm. You know, I've been here a long, I've been at Iverton 30 years now. Sometimes that just hits me over the head like a brick. Um, and in some ways, I think maybe this is a chance for us, certainly to bring younger people up and through with their ideas because they are the ones that know best how to flourish in this time but it also brings us back to the core of why we were in this business mm. and what moved us in the beginning. Tanisha, what about live streaming shows? Uh, will that persist after the pandemic? And could that be a good thing when we think about accessibility to theater and, and bringing these productions to more people uh, who may not be able to afford a subscription or just for, for all kinds of barriers, not going into the theater, feeling that that is a welcome place for them? Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with the B part, which is that I think this moment of, of live streaming or recorded streaming uh, theater content is absolutely um, opening up accessibility for our art form. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually think that um, for our aging audience, um, if we can provide what I call a Hamilton style experience to them in their homes, I think sometimes the option to be able to not drive your car, but still engage with this art form that you love is going to be attractive to them as well. So I think that um, streaming theatrical content is going to be with us for a long time. Um, and I, and again, I think because it's such a scalable model for each of our organizations, the financial implications and impacts um, can really sustain us in a way I don't think any of us could have ever imagined. So I think for those reasons, I think it, it, it will be with us for a long time. And it's exciting, like a show like Russian Troll Farms, um, directed by Elizabeth Williamson, formerly at Hartford Stage, Jared Mazaki, who is doing amazing work uh, in the technological you know, sphere of, of this Zoom theater. Um, and playwrights as you know visionary as Sarah Gancher. Um, when you when you put artists, theater makers in this kind of uh, space to to do something with a platform they never done before, they will do amazing things. Um, so I think I think there's a lot of promise um, in this particular um, format. But I I would be lying to myself as somebody who has committed her life to this art form and to my colleagues sitting with me if I didn't say that theater as you know theater as a thing that you do to come together in a space is never going to die. I mean it is older than <laughs> it's almost as old as the dinosaurs, right? I think that I think the dinosaurs may have been doing plays. Um, but something in the pre-interview that came up that I've been thinking about a lot lately uh, or a, a lot overnight um, is this idea of like t the younger generation and and TikTok and the way in which they engage with each other mm -hmm. um, over the internet. And if if I'm if I'm being real, TikTok is theater. Like those little performances that they put together, beginning, middle, end, story arc. Like, and and I think there's a conversation about accessibility yeah. to the art form, not like who can actually 
step into this work, honestly. Um, that is that is interesting to me. I want to one more time sort of shout out the Free Center um, for, for coordinating um, American Dreams and also kind of thinking a little bit longer, Lucy, about your earlier point about how can the feds and the state support. I think coordinating, and I, and I say this particularly about the state of Connecticut, but coordinating and incentivizing us to maintain the promise of working together on a unified dialogue and telling stories by supporting that with funding, not just for the production, but the overhead mm -hmm. it takes to produce it, as well as the marketing it takes to get the whole state excited and involved in each of our theaters doing projects around a, um, a, a unified dialogue. I think that is a very specific way in which mm. the state can support not just us, right, but the kind of state they want to have, right? I just wanted to um, sort of add that as my brain. Mm. Uh, Amelia Ben Susan, we just have about three, four minutes left. This hour went sorry, by so guys, quickly. It was But I wanted to just end with you, Amelia, when we think about the future of theater, these these ideas of how live streaming will persist, but also what you had said early on about you know, despite all of these uh, different innovations, there's nothing like being in a room with people right. watching, but also when you're on stage. I remember when I was a kid being introduced to theater, there's nothing like it when you're standing on stage and responding to the audience and they're responding to you. Oh, I think that's right. And for so many, um, it was actually it, it, in the pre-interview prep, right? In getting to talk to your wonderful producer, Tess, um, we were talking about how theater has been a safe place for many generations, really, from uh, from the time of the dinosaurs to echo Tunisia, and that the experience of being in the audience and also the experience of being part of a live theater company, be it on stage or backstage, is has been such a key part of so many people's growing up and uh, getting to know themselves and each other through different lights. So yes, that can't go away. Um, I, it's, a, it's a kind of religion, right? And we have some of the same struggles as organized religion right now of the importance of community breathing of community events is not gonna go away. Um, and yet we are gonna be, you're, you're talking about innovation and yes, we will all need to continue to innovate. I do think that live streaming for some folks will be a crucial addition to our programming. I mean, I do wanna point out that something like, and Tanisha knows this, so uh, forgive me, but something like the broadcast of Hamilton, it's millions and millions of dollars. So part of what we need to think about is how we continue live performance add streaming elements, and also how we enhance those experiences. Is it through, you know, um, visionary technical work, or is it really the immediacy of Zoom and streaming theater where we can connect and have conversations with folks we may not have had conversations with before and uh, engage artists from around the world to work with us. So I, I, I think it's a adding on, mm -hmm. um, not a replacing. Mm -hmm. I am struck 
by what it must have been like when electricity first came to the theater. <laughs> and we went from outdoor theater where the audience was a key player to this notion of audiences sitting in the dark, passively listening to a play. That was a huge change, right? Mm -hmm. and, and completely, you know, altered the experience of theater goers until it didn't, until that became the way to have a, a communing experience. So I see this as, as another moment, theater will continue to adapt. We will continue to work. We are all storytellers at our core. And we're here to gather each other together, to hold each other through narrative, through image, through the experience of seeing someone else's story play out and breathing it in together. Mm -hmm. That can't change. We'll just add to it, but we're mm -hmm. not going away. Amelia Ben-Susan is Artistic Director at Hartford Stage. It's been a pleasure, Amelia. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, Lucy, this has been such a pleasure. And Jackie and Tanisha, I've just loved sharing virtual space with you. Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> Tanisha Dugan is here producing Associate Theatre Works in Hartford. Thank you, Tanisha. Thank you. Thank you all, ladies. It's, it's wonderful to speak with a bunch of women about this thing that I love. So thank you, Lucy, for bringing us together. And Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Ivory Tim Playhouse. Jackie, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much, Lucy. And I honestly feel a little invigorated this morning. So <laughs> this is great. It gives us a little bit of theater women power to get That's us going. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Today's show produced by Tess Terrible. I have a great team here. I always talk about that. And special thanks to Gina Matruda, our technical producer today, and Carmen Baskoff, uh, who was on the phones, but we just took over with this conversation on Zoom. Uh, again, I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We hope you have a great weekend. Tune into great stories 